Morning, everybody. Um, today's reading, we are looking um, at Acts and in chapter 5. Um, and we're going to be starting from verse 17 to 21 to start with. And then we're going to jump to verses 27 to 42. Um, and that can be found on page 1097 in the church Bibles. So beginning at verse 17 to 21 first. Um, and this, this comes after the disciples have been preaching and doing amazing signs and wonders. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. So we're going to skip down now to verse 27 and read through to verse 42. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel... Consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. 
For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Thanks, Camilla. Um, In your little service sheets, you would have had... um, one of these funky things with drawings. This is the sermon drawn out as little pictures to help you. If that helps you, do use that and walk through it. Um, it could be a good thing. If it's not, just stick with the, the plain salmon-coloured back of the sheet. Wonderful. Um, my name is Stephen, by the way, in case you've forgotten. I'm the youth minister of Bishop Huntington Church. And I've got a question for us all here this morning. Put your hand up. Hands up if you like building sandcastles. Yes, there we are. Sandcastles. No, 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 no. I know it's quite hard on Brighton Beach, right? And I know because we've we, we got stones here and got the sand that we need. But, but, but sandcastles. Now, me and my family, we love building sandcastles. We used to go down to the beach and, and have holidays there building sandcastles. And we had a game. The Sandcastle Game. Original title, I know, but like, like The Sandcastle Game. And see, what we do, we build a sandcastle. And my dad was like a sand architect. He, he, he knew his way around sand. And so we built this massive castle. And we had one job. Stop the sea by any means necessary. Like stop the sea from reaching the sandcastle. So we build these elaborate like castle defences with, with, with like walls and moats. And we'd, we'd get little shell barricades to try and defend our castle. One job. Stop the sea. And now I'm going to leave you there on edge of your seats. We're, we're going to find out if I was successful in the second part of the talk. Sand v sea. Who's going to win? We'll find out later. We'll find out later. Because um, Acts 5, verse 12 to 42, is a bit like the sandcastle game. right? Like God's word, um, which we're using this morning to sum up the good news of Jesus, is like the sea. And in Acts 5, we see people doing anything to try and stop God's word. It's like they're building those defenses and digging their little moats. Because our headline for this first part of the talk is, People uh, try and stop God's word. People trying to stop God's word. But let's get back into the, into, into the Acts zone, because we, we've had a few weeks since we've met together. So Acts, um, it, it, we start off in, in Acts 3, where we saw um, God healing uh, a lame man through Peter, and Johnny started leaping like a deer. Do you remember that? And then at Solomon's colonnade, Peter preached a knockout sermon. Amazing stuff. And people were like, whoa, this guy's good. Uh, uh, but he was arrested for that. Him and John were put in prison. And if that's not bad enough, when they were released, in Acts 4, verse 18, um, these religious leaders, that they said, they said, you must never speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And see, this is one of the patterns of Acts. Um, as the good news grows and spreads, opposition grows and spreads. Because people will try and stop God's word. And, 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 and that continues in Acts 5, um, where we had Ananias and Sapphira, do you remember them last time? Uh, well, Satan was using them to try and disrupt the work of the church. And then we come here to Acts 5, verse 12, and, and we've had attacks from outside, attacks from inside, and now we're back again for the next round. 
people will try and stop God's word. And so um, let's have a little look and see what, uh, see what they do about it because, well, we'll go to verse 12 and see why this is all happening. Verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's colonnade. So they're there preaching and teaching about Jesus. There's amazing signs and wonders happening. And look at verse 14. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Awesome stuff. The church is growing. People are believing in Jesus and it's amazing. It's exciting. Yet, as the good news grows, opposition grows because people will try and stop God's word. Because um, you can kind of imagine the scene in Jerusalem, uh, like buzz and hype. Uh, hey, hey, have you heard those disciples, Peter and John? They're speaking about Jesus at the temple and, right? There's miracles and signs. It's amazing. Let's go and see what's happening. And like, they're flocking and, and excited. People are like buzzing about it. But not everyone's happy and excited. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who are members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. People will try and stop God's word. And just a little note about jealousy. Jealousy um, is a vile, hidden poison in our lives. Right? Jealousy, it, it, it wounds us and it hurts others. Here, it leads to wrongful arrest of, of the disciples and also violent persecution. In our lives, it can break up friendships. It can wound the work of the church and it can steal our joy and our happiness. Don't let jealousy fester in your, in your life. It's deadly. So, so is there someone you're, you're jealous of? If there is, what do you need to do about it? It's poisonous. Because here, these jealous religious leaders, well, they try to do anything to stop God's word. Because God's word is a threat to their power, their pride, and their position. And so they try to do anything to stop God's word. Let's have a look at the tactics they use. Um, first off, um, in, in verse 18. Have a look there. They lock them up. They arrested the apostles uh, and put them in the public jail. This is all 12 apostles in, in jail. Before it was just Peter and John. Now it's all 12. The temperature of Acts is rising. Opposition's increasing. Arrested. Locked up. Uh, and then the next thing they do, they, 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 they get so angry, they hate these disciples with a fury and passion in verse 33 that wants them to kill and murder the disciples. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. They will do anything to stop God's word, even killing the disciples. People will try and stop God's word. And then verse 40, they punish them. Have a look at verse 40. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. It's a really short, short verse, but that means they've been beaten and whipped until their backs are bleeding and scarred. And this is the first time in the New Testament when God's people are being physically attacked for following Jesus. Opposition's increasing, temperatures rising. And then the last thing they do, they threaten them in verse 40 again. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. People will try and stop God's word. These, uh, these religious leaders do anything to try and shut the disciples up. It's a bit like they treat the disciples uh, like a Furby. Now, if you don't know what a Furby is, this is a Furby on the screen. Right? I used to own a Furby. And Furbies make the most ridiculous noise ever. Here's my attempt at being a Furby. 
right? They make that noise, and it's constant. And it's nice for the first like couple of weeks, and then, as you can imagine, it just gets gnawing and horrible. And so we tried everything we could to shut this little Furby thing up. We smothered it in cushions and sat on the cushions. And yet, what could we hear? And then we locked it in a box, wrapped in a blanket, under my sister's bed. And what could we hear downstairs? And then, I'm sure we even took the batteries out at one point, And still it was making a noise. Like, you can't silence this thing. We tried all we could to shut this Furby up. And still it made a noise. And isn't that just like these uh, religious leaders here? They try to do anything they can to shut the disciples up. And they keep on speaking about Jesus. It's amazing. Because people will try and stop God's word. And actually, if we look at this like objectively, this is absolutely ridiculous if you think about it. Ridiculous. Um, because they are locking up the message of freedom. They are hating the words of love. They're trying to silence the speaking God. And they're trying to kill the words that could bring them to true, lasting, forever life with God in heaven. It's ridiculous and so, just so stupid. And yet, isn't that exactly how we treated Jesus when he came on this earth? We locked up freedom himself. We hated love. We tried to silence the word of God. We tried to kill Jesus, life himself. See, God's word is treated just like God's son is treated. People try to stop God's word because people try to stop God's son. And see, um, that means as God's people, we should expect the same kind of treatment as these disciples. People will try and stop God's word. So we should expect opposition and difficulties in our lives. As Martin Luther said, they gave our master a crown of thorns. Why do we hope for a crown of roses? See, this first part of the talk is all a little reality check for us as Christians. It's going to be hard to follow Jesus. We should expect that. It's going to be hard to follow him because people will try and stop God's word. And for some Christians, that will mean intense persecution across the ages and in our world, even today. It will mean jail and beatings and even death for some people. And even for Christians in this country, it's not easy being a Christian. Christians aren't popular in England, in case you haven't noticed. People try and stop God's word over and over again here in this country because of our views on Jesus being the only way to live with God forever in heaven or our views on abortion and same-sex marriage. People try and stop God's word. We shouldn't be surprised. I mean, only just in the news the last couple of months, we've had two rugby-playing legends, Israel Folau and Billy Vinopolo, who, who, who have both been silenced because they're speaking God's word in the public sphere. People will try and stop God's word. Um, my uncle, uh, he became a Christian when he was in secondary school. Uh, and he, he went to secondary school and started telling all his friends about Jesus and, and like, inviting him to church and stuff. Um, uh, but one by one, his friends, like, turned their backs on him. Um, they started teasing him, making fun of him, mocking him. Um, and so it got to the point when, when he said to my grandma, he said, Grandma, I'm done with this Christian stuff. And see, like, he thought the Christian life was really easy. And it kind of breaks my heart because he didn't realize that the Christian life is hard. 
And he gave up on life forever with God in heaven because this tiny little bit of life on this earth was difficult. Like, please don't let your story be the same as his. Please. It's not easy being a Christian. We're going to have um, hard family conversations around the dinner table with people who don't like Jesus. We're going to have heated debates in school with our teachers who don't like Jesus. We're going to have our friends turning their backs on us because they don't like Jesus. People will try and stop God's word. Expect it to be difficult. And the second part of this talk, we're going to see the reason for hope. But for now, just have a think. It's not easy following Jesus. When people, when it is hard for you to be a Christian, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to keep on going? And we'll see a second part in a bit. There we go. In, in the epic battle of sand VC, there's only one winner, right? The sea is relentless. It is inevitable. It is unstoppable. And see, that's the message of Acts 5. People try and stop God's word, but God's word is unstoppable. Now, I'm going to need your help with this because I can't really say that word unstoppable very well. I struggle with it. So um, when I shout out God's word is, can you all, adults included, very important, shout back unstoppable? Yeah? So if I say God's word is? Unstoppable. God's word is? Unstoppable. Yeah, it's going to come up over and over again. So we're going to need to be loud and vocal the whole, whole way through. Because it's great news. This is the reason for hope. This is the reason to keep on going. Because God's word is? And let's look at this word in action. So remember the first obstacle we came across? It was a prison. The, the, the disciples were in jail in verse 18. Well, look what God does about it in verse 19 of Acts 5. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Because God's word is? Yes. This is the first of three jailbreaks in Acts. It's God showing us that his word cannot be held back by prison doors. No, no, no. His word is free. And powerful. The angel, angel frees them and says in verse 20, go stand in the temple courts and tell everyone about this new life. And so they go first thing in the morning and they're there speaking about Jesus because God's word is... Yes! Yes, it's amazing. And like, you can always... Um, Luke records this in comedic, comedic tones here because you can imagine like, like, like the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They're like, bring the disciples in. Wait, what? Wait, they're not in jail. The guards are there. The doors are locked, but, but, but they're not in jail. What's happening? Where are they? You can see that the anger and bewilderment growing in their, in their minds. They're like, what's going on? They're looking for the disciples in prison, but the disciples are free in the temples preaching about Jesus. It's amazing. It's such an incredible moment. And then, it's, surely that's a sign, right? That this message they're talking about is something really special. If they're, they're, they're free from a locked cell, that's quite big news, right? You're going to want to listen to that message, aren't you? But, but instead, these, these religious leaders, they bring their disciples in for questioning and interrogation. And even being questioned and interrogated, what does Peter do? Well, he talks about Jesus. He goes straight to Jesus because God's word is... Yes. It's amazing. His words are horrible. And it gets, it gets them into trouble because um, uh, the leaders get more and more furious and angry to the point in verse 33 of wanting to murder the disciples. Until luckily, a man called Gamaliel stands up. And Gamaliel, he, he's a big, big leader in those days. He's the guy who trained Paul in the Bible. Um, and he stands up and he starts talking. 
And he starts talking about these other, other religious like groups that have appeared. Feudus and Judas the Galilean have appeared and risen up and then disappeared. He talks about these religious groups as though they're fads or crazes at school that come and go. And he talks about Jesus being like one of those people. Um, it's a bit like well, at Goldstone Primary School. I used to work there, and we had two big eras of crazes that came in Goldstone Primary School when I was there. The first was this thing, the Diablo stick. I don't know if you've, you've seen these before. That is, these circus things, and everyone came in with these sticks and these little plastic round things, and we're going, wee, and throwing these plastic things in the air, and it was dangerous times for a while. Um, but then, two months later, gone. No Diablos in sight until the next craze appeared. Um, this one, I've, I've even got some. The slime phase. Do you remember this one where everyone was making like galaxy slime and flowy slime and slimy slime and yellow slime and green slime and red slime and all these kind of slimes? But then three months later, what happened? No more slime. Like crazies, they come and go. And back in my day, um, it, it was the yo-yo in the 90s and, and then the Nerf Vortex thing and then Pokemon cards. Um, all the big names came and went, but, but, but none of them lasted. And Gamaliel's, he's not being, um, he's not being a good religious leader here. He, he's being wise and practical. He's saying, Jesus is like one of those things. He'll come and go like a Diablo stick. In verse 38, have a look what he says there. Leave these men alone. Let them go. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You'll find yourselves only fighting against God. See, he thinks Christianity is a fad that will dwindle out. And yet God's word is? Okay, a bit more, a bit more. Um, come on, church. God's word is? Yeah, it's unstoppable. You can't hold it. You can't hold it back. Because like, like, it started with 12, 12 disciples uh, in Luke. And now there's over 2 billion Christians alive today. Like, it's amazing. So exciting. You can't hold back God's word. It's awesome. And even after that speech from Gamaliel, these, uh, these, uh, these leaders try one more, tr- one more trick. They try beating the disciples and threatening them in verse 40. They called the apostles in and had them flogged and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, imagine you're a disciple. You've been arrested. You've been shouted at and furiously questioned and interrogated. You've now been beaten and threatened. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Because look at these disciples in verse 41. This is mind-blowing and incredible. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin depressed and down. Oh no, wait. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. What? Rejoicing. They left rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. Like, they're rejoicing. After being beaten and tortured and hurt and threatened and accused, they're rejoicing. It's amazing because these disciples, um, they've lived like Jesus. They've suffered like Jesus. And because of that, they're reminded that they're going to live in glory with him forever. And so they're rejoicing because God's word is. Yes. See, 
God's word is like the relentless sea that cannot be stopped by human efforts or human endeavors. Even persecution cannot hold back God's word. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that amazing? And so when it is hard to be a Christian and follow Jesus, when that's difficult, remember that God's word is Remember, and don't give up. Instead, the answer is to be bold like these disciples. Let Acts 5 be an encouragement to you to, to, to be bold and to keep on going. Um, when I was at primary school, uh, we invented a game called Ingredients. That's my primary school logo, not my actual school. But this game, Ingredients, was amazing. We played it every lunchtime, every break time. But as these things do with young children, it got uh, heated and intense, and there were fights and squabbles, and you can imagine it started to bubble up until the point where the headmaster, Mr. Allen, came into our classroom. And Mr. Allen came in and he said, you are never to play ingredients ever again in this school. He banned the game ingredients. (gasps) Yet what do you think we did that break time? We went and played ingredients. That's really naughty. Children, don't do that. If teachers tell you to do something, you listen to your teachers. But when it comes to Jesus and talking about him, be like primary school Stephen. Be like the disciples. Don't let anyone stop you. Be bold. Be bold. I mean, these disciples are incredible. They've been locked up, beaten up, uh, uh, threatened. And where do they go? They go to the temple courts. The same place they've been arrested twice before from to say the same message about Jesus that they've been arrested twice before for. They go back. And why do they go back? Well, because... Nothing, as Caris was saying earlier, nothing is more important than this message. The fact that Jesus has died so that everyone who trusts in him can have true life that lasts forever and ever and ever. Nothing is more vital than that. And if you want to know about true life, do speak to me after this service. Um, But they go because life and death is at stake. And it's vital. And so... As Christians living in the 21st century, there will be times when being a Christian will be opposed to what the government says, to what our friends say, to what our family says. In those times, Acts 5, verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. So so, um, keep inviting your friends uh, to come to KO, to church, to Rooted, even if they said no to you before. Keep being bold. Or, 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 or um, around the dinner table, keep talking about Jesus with your family, even if they don't like it. Be bold. Or to that aunt who really hates Jesus and has told you not to talk about him uh, to her before, uh, again. Keep talking about Jesus. Be bold. Because life and death is at stake. Eternal life and death is at stake. And maybe you look at the disciples and think, What? I'm not like them. Those guys are bold. I'm not bold like they are. I, I, I can't be bold. Well, here's two little tips to grow in boldness. Um, the first off is spend time praying. To grow in boldness, spend time praying. Um, have a little look at Acts 4, verse 29. This is a little prayer that the disciples pray. Have a look. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Acts 4, 29. They say, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. You may recognize those same words in Acts 5, verse 12, signs and wonders. The boldness of the disciples in Acts 5. 
Like, like, like the whole of Acts 5 is an answer to the prayer of Acts 4.29. It's amazing. God answers prayers for his answerable word to go out. <laughs> so spend time praying to be bold. Spend time praying that you would be a bold Christian around your friends and your family. Pray for boldness and expect God to answer those prayers. And pray not that God would remove obstacles from your life, but that you'd have the boldness to go through those obstacles. Spend time praying. And if you want to know what to pray, um, this little book is just coming out, uh, came out on Wednesday, and it's absolutely awesome. It's called Pray Big. We're going to say it next week at church. Um, this book is incredible. It teaches you how to pray like an apostle. Awesome stuff. Dynamite. I read it last week, uh, this, yesterday. Read it. Get it. Pray. Spend time praying. That's the first thing to go on. The second thing um, is to spend time with Jesus. Um, Kevin DeYoung said, uh, spend time with Jesus to look like Jesus. Because you end up looking like and living like the people you spend the most time with, don't you? So spend time with Jesus. These apostles, uh, they lived, they, they were bold because they spent time with Jesus. They knew him and so they were living like him. And it's the same for us. We can't speak to Jesus face to face, but we can meet him in the Bible, in God's word. So spend time with Jesus to grow in boldness. Spend time each morning reading the Bible. Spend time in your little homes reading the Bible as, as family groups. Spend time with Jesus. Come to small groups in church and be there to grow in boldness. So be bold. Spend time praying. Spend time with Jesus. Um, God's word is? Yes, I don't know why there's no extra, is there? Because God's son is? Yes, I love this. It's the last moment of, of joy to give us. Um, it's amazing. God's word's unstoppable because God's son's unstoppable. Have a look at Acts 5, verse 30. Uh, this is Peter talking to the, the, the religious leaders, and he says, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. He says to these guys, you killed Jesus. You tried to stop Jesus. You tried to put him on a cross uh, and put him to death. But you couldn't. You failed because he's alive right now. Death couldn't stop Jesus. It's a bit like what Phil was saying on Easter. He said Jesus is like a, a slippery bar of soap. Ooh, but, oh, well, that is horrible. I left it in the water too long. Oh, sorry. I'll clean this up. The keyboard's fine. But but, but God's word. Oh, but you know, God's son Jesus is like a slippery bar of soap that, that, that death can't hold. Um, and isn't that a great reason for us to to, to rejoice and celebrate? Um, it is horrible. Uh, we can rejoice and celebrate because God's word is unstoppable. Because His son is unstoppable. And so when it gets hard to be a Christian, remember Jesus, look at the cross, and remember that death couldn't hold him. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh. Father God, thank you so much that your word is unstoppable, like your son is unstoppable. Please help us to be bold. Bold Christians who talk about you to our friends and to our family, and who keep talking about you, and who keep following you, even when it's hard, because your word is unstoppable, and that is great news and a great encouragement for us. Amen.